0: I was caught in a Sharknado, man. That's where my head was all screwed up.
1: That's where we all are. We're all going to die in a Sharknado.
0: Dude, this celebration that you guys are going to be doing for the 10th anniversary, we need this because, I mean, I, I'm one of the guilty parties. I saw all of this on the flat screen. I, I've i never experienced it on a big screen.
1: Well, yeah, that's, that's the thing, too. It's, uh, you know, when we were talking 10-year... What do you do? And you know, one one of the things I I kind of begged the studio to do is, can we just recolor correct the movie? It's just I always, it always bothered me, uh, because you know whenever I've seen it projected on the theater screens before for like one offs, and it just it just gets it looks really muddy, and then we go well let's just you know when we delivered it to TV you know ten years ago 4K wasn't a requirement and we did shoot it in 4K so let's remaster it let's up res it to 4K. Let's fix some of the visual effects shots. Let's remix the sound. Let's give a whole new experience. And then it was like, what else do we have in the um, you know, the edit that we never used? And we didn't have a lot of deleted scenes, but there were moments that I wanted to have happen in that original movie that we didn't have time or money to finish. Like the Capitol Record Spire wanted a shark to kind of get impaled on it. <laughs> and we shot a plate for it. We just ran out of time. So it's it's weird. It's like ten years later I get to finish the film. So you know we, we, the first movies first six movies were Twitter experiences, communal Twitter, live tweet. And now it's a chance to go um, you know into theaters and have that communal theater experience in the theaters. And I think the perfect example is Barbie became a big event this summer. And, you know, it was a fun pop culture moment in Sharknado 10 years ago. So now we have Barbie-nado, you know, go see Barbie, go see Sharknado. And 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 just just dress up, you know, as your favorite Barbie with a shark attached to your skull and, you know, bleed out in the movie theater. And it should be a glorious experience. And the thing is, there's, there's a whole new generation, but if people that know the movie they're gonna wanna come and see what we did, but there's also a new generation that, like Rocky Horror, are aware of what Rocky Horror is, but you don't know what Rocky Horror is until you go into a theater. And it took me you know, many, many years before I ever experienced a midnight showing of that. I'm like, ah, I get it, and this is absolutely glorious. And so I think that's gonna be the thing, is that people think, oh, it's just this this silly movie about sharks raining down. You know, it's gotta be nothing. And then you sit there and you watch it and you go, I can't believe what I'm watching that someone actually made this crazy movie. You know, and it doesn't stop. That's the thing that's incredible for our little low budget. The movie starts and it doesn't stop. You have two reprieves, once when they're in the car talking and once when they're in the hardware store, but everything in and around it. And we just amped it up. There's just, there's a scene in the parking lot where Finn shoots a a shark and other people are like, you know, um, trying to hit You know sharks, but they didn't put the sharks in there. So now we built this up, and it's just more robust. Wow! And it it looks like uh, it's it's like uh, George Lucas' special edition, the Star Wars movies. Oh my God! You're reading my
0: mind. You're reading my mind because I was going to ask you: Do you feel like George Lucas right now?
1: Well, except that he had a perfect, he had perfect movie. I mean, look, there, there were rough edges on those, but those were, you know, those were a generation of growing up on those three films that loved them, and so the special editions were kind of a stab in the heart for some people. But those special editions are what a whole new generation only know about. So, you know, in our case, we could make our movie better. You can't, you can't make it worse. You can make it better with a special edition because. You know, it's improving upon what's there, and and just get it's it's not changing it to the point where oh my god, this looks like Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, we <laughs> don't have that kind of budget or money. It's still the same ridiculous, stupid movie that you remember from ten years ago. But it it's just it's just remastered for theatrical experience so you can enjoy it and you can see it with clarity and hear the stuff. There's stuff I never heard before that I know we had baked into the original mix. Just that now that we've went in and, and remixed it for theaters, it's like, oh, wow, well, I remember we did that <laughs> I, I, and it was just buried because sometimes the TV mixes have yep. to emphasize certain things. Uh, there's uh, some background music that uh, I had put in from a couple of friends that. You know, first time I ever heard him in the bar, I guess it was very buried. And we went in, uh, we did a lot of the original songs, including the Ballad of Sharknado for the first movie. We did about five or six of them. And so Robbie Rist, who's my writing partner with Quint, the band, um, we remixed those. And um, uh, the the first song in the film, uh, Let It Ride, just never sounded great. And now it sounds, oh, wow, I actually yeah. like that song. And yeah. it just, yeah. it's crisp and clean and
0: it's just uh, robust See that's i to me, I look at it as being the one when it was on the flat screen. everything was compressed. there was everything that was just so put together now on that big screen, at least it's gonna spread it apart, and I'm gonna sit in the center of that theater, and I'm going to experience every speaker that's pointed at me
1: yeah and and um our mixer uh martin um on this just went above and beyond, you know, and there's just stuff that just did the just just by doing those little tweaks and um. I can't, I can't, I can't uh, emphasize enough how different this is going to be for people. It's going to be the Mandela effect. Are you going to do this with all of the movies? Because I mean, we've experienced every one of them. I think what we're going to try to do is make this a gigantic success. So everybody's going to go see this in the theater. Yeah, it's going to be overwhelmingly successful. And then we will get to do um, two, three, four, five, and six in the same way.
0: Oh my god! You know, you know, there's going to be grown men that are going to walk in there with shark costumes on. I mean, they're going to come dressed up for this, just like the Barbie movie.
1: <laughs> you know that that that's the dream. I, I I know I know the fans will do that, and we have like a very very um, hardcore uh, fan base for these movies. Uh, I can't wait to see what what what. Like I said, we were seeing we're noticing that there's a lot of these theaters that are sold out. Um, or or close to sold out. Uh, mm-hmm. So we know that the people are aware of it now, and and again, I just I I hope we can put a little um, happiness in people's lives this summer. Now for being in theater
0: for listeners, they need to understand that there is a website where they can go to check out times, and that is it's SharkNato10th.com. Because I mean, like here in Charlotte, we already know where it's going to be. But what about somebody who's <clears> in <throat> Cincinnati and they're they're just hearing about this 10th anniversary?
1: Yeah, no, I, I think that the Chicago 10th we're in, we're on over 500 screens. Nice. And, and growing. Man. And again, that's a that's a, one of those things is it's a it's a little movie that could it's a movie that doesn't know it can't do that. So the fact that we were able to get 500 screens, the fact that they allowed us to remaster it, the fact that you know, it's uh, uh it went from this TV movie to this this pop cultural juggernaut. Um it, it's still it's still uh it so is amazing to me that we're we're talking about the movie ten years later. You know, what's really cool
0: about this, Anthony, is that in reality, the man cave is coming to the movie theater because a lot of these movie theaters now come with bars. And you know, we're going to load up and go in there and watch that movie.
1: I can't wait to have a, a audience full of drunk people watching shark <laughs> because maybe that's going to be the heightened experience. You know, it's like because you're sitting there going yeah oh it was a tv movie i'm just gonna watch it it's just gonna be people talking for 10 you know for an hour and a half and then what <laughs> what are they doing he's shooting sharks out of the sky with a shotgun <laughs> what what wait 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 am, am i really that drunk am i am i seeing this? <laughs> is this is this is that guy killing a shark
0: with a bar stool uh, yeah Part of the fun of Sharknado were the guest stars. I mean, we we would tune in, we'd, we'd look at the list going, you've got to be kidding me. They said yes to this? I've
1: got to be there for it. Well, that, that was what happened on, on 2 through 6. Um, that became the big thing, but the first movie, I think the way it was structured, you had Ian Ziering, Tara Reed, and John Hurt, yep. who had never been in a movie like this for sci-fi. I mean, that those They were big gets. They were big stars for a movie, and I think that was part of the anchor on top of the ridiculousness of the title that kind of drew people to it because it it gave us some a pedigree. You know, it was, here's John Hurt. He was our first person, I think, that we got cast. And once John came, everybody else started um, lining up because, you know, he's he's an incredible actor. You know, rest in peace, that amazing man who um, has been so many great movies, he, you know, cult movie Chud, mm-hmm. uh, but also Home Alone, big... Uh, Cutter's Way, an underrated indie movie from the early 80s. So to be in our film and to actually still, you know, right before he passed away, you know, he did an interview and he was still very proud of Sharknado and the fact that you know, it took him away from just being the dad in Home Alone. So, uh, you know, I, I love the fact that um, that he was a part of that. But the cameos definitely added as we moved along. And I think the second movie started setting the, the precedence for hey, you know, we're going to have people play up to what they're known for, you know, Robert Hayes, um, you know, <laughs> playing, you know, our little homage to Airplane. Yeah. That was that, that, that was the turning point. Him and Judd Hirsch um, playing the taxi cab driver. Those those two, you know, they, they really elevated part two and gave us a template for what the other um, four movies were going to be in the franchise
0: <laughs> in a very creative way. Didn't you reinvent monster movies on the screen?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, it, Here, here's the thing that I think it's lost a lot of times is that we are one of the very rare, like 1% in the last probably 10, 10 years, maybe maybe a little bit longer, of a movie that isn't based on an existing IP or a book or a novel or, or a remake that became a pop cultural phenomenon. It's an original idea. Yeah, it's Sharknado and it's silly and ridiculous, but it's it there's there's no there's nothing that existed prior to this so we got to create our own universe from start to finish and um it was you know the sharknado is our villain it could do what we wanted to do and um that's what makes it special because you know there's no you know it's like well in issue 42 of the comic book of sharknado they can't do this because blah blah you know it's like hey you know what i think uh there's going to be a russian nesting doll sequence where um shark eats the eat shark or he's going to go into space and fight sharks and then enter the earth's atmosphere inside a shark and then punch a hole through the top of it and then it's going to land when the parachute comes out you know we got to do we 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 were not we were untethered to anything and then we blew through stories like nobody's business starting with number 3 number 3 we did a white house down type movie we did a amusement park disaster movie with, um, universal Orlando. We did a road trip movie and we did a space movie that was Sharknado three. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were just, yeah. we, we just basically said, we'll, we'll ride ourselves into a, um, a corner and then ride ourselves out. And at least with the last two movies, we knew we were probably going to end on the sixth movie. So we kind of baked a lot of stuff in, into the, the second the, the last, the fifth and sixth film. So we could build up to what I wanted to do for the ending. So we knew always knew time travel would be the sixth film. <laughs>
0: Listeners don't see that you've got a Goo Goo Dolls uh, t-shirt on. Dude, you got to do another Sharknado and get Johnny Resnick to star in it or even play on it. Because Johnny Resnick is just the ultimate coolest dude.
1: He is so cool. I got to meet them uh, last year um, and I, I got to watch them uh, perform in, in Los Angeles. And look, if, if Johnny could do uh, a version of Ballad of Sharknado, the, the <laughs> theme song that we wrote for uh, the first movie, uh, I, I would be an absolute heaven because that 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 is a total Johnny song. If, if he, so, we need to uh, lobby Goo Goo Dolls to do Ballad of Sharknado as a cover. Uh, So if anybody has any contacts with Johnny, Johnny, uh, I love your band. I've been a fan since hold me up. Yep. I I think is one of my top 10 favorite albums of all time. Please cover our song and uh do a big fan uh uh, solid (laughs) he's he's always been a fan
0: favorite in me because and the reason why is because the the thing that johnny woke me up on he we we got on the subject of of uh what what writer's block is And, and i'm sure that you as a writer and a creator you've gone through that as well and he says there's no such thing as writer's block you just say you're just telling yourself that everything sucks well stop telling yourself that everything sucks and you'll never have another block again
1: well, well, Sharknado. We didn't have time to to, to have rider's block. We we had we had like three weeks to make these movies and six months to deliver oh them. So God. it's just unfettered imagination, um, and uh, you know, and in the songs came. You know, we've got a catalog now of over sixty five songs that we've done for all the, all all my films. And when Robbie and I would get together and post, we'd go, we'd have stuff to write to. It's like, well, we need to write a song about this. So we need something <laughs> like this. Um, we we originally started off ballad of being a, we wanted to write a rock opera. And, and so we started writing this this theme song, this first part of it, I go, you know, kind of Ramonesy, kind of, you know, go, 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 go run away from the Sharknado, it's your greatest fo-fo-fo, don't want to get eaten by a Sharknado. And, and we finished that in about 20 minutes and we're like, I think we're done. This is too good. (laughs) It's just it. It just has things like uh, Hammerhead's one scary guy. Mako's gonna make you cry. Thresher bites. Bye bye bye. (laughs) It's just like it it is. How can you top it? But then we still had this, um, uh, you know, this uh, Don Quixote thing of we're gonna still do a rock opera. So every movie we tried writing one, and nothing was as good as that (laughs) until the fourth movie. I came up with the line: Armageddon, come and get it. The world ain't gonna end unless I say so. And then we go okay now we can do our rock opera and once we figured out it didn't need to be Sharknado and you didn't have to say it in it you know it, it, and we we threw in um Jim Steinman and Queen oh, and Beach God. Boys and Pink Floyd and Damn. it's just this mashup of of those epic rock operas and Robbie Wrist um who's my writing partner um and producer on these things just he just nailed it it's such a crazy deliciously ridiculous song so you know, the movies uh, extended life to, to the, the songwriting career a little bit.
0: The time limit that you gave yourself in order to make each one of these films possible, I mean, did you were the, were the, the offices and the studios, was it controlled chaos? Because it seems like everything would be moving all at once, but yet you were focused on the finished product.
1: Well, well, I mean, when you're shooting it, it's like, again, you don't have time to think. A studio has a, a big studio movie of about two years. You have know, about 100 days. And so, you know, you have time and the luxury and you, you can just go in and, okay, we got we got two pages to do. We usually had like, you know, 10, 12 pages. So, you know, the gun goes off at, you know, 7 a.m. in the morning and you have 12 hours to shoot so much stuff. And so that's part of the energy. I always say this, it's the energy of desperation. You know, you you have little time, but there there's an energy to it that um organicness that added to the energy of the film. Um uh, we were the fifth movie we filmed abroad. We filmed Italy, England, Australia, uh Bulgaria, um, and and it was uh it was it was kind of crazy, but we went to Italy and they were showing us different fountains and we kept going, Why can't we shoot a Trevi Fountain? <laughs> and then they would go well, because there are people there. It's like, well, when are the people not there? And they go, well, 6 a.m. on Sunday. How? When do they show up? 8 a.m. on Sunday. Well, then we could shoot a scene in two hours and go, you can't shoot a scene in two hours. <laughs> yes, we can. And so what do we do? We filmed at 6 a.m., we shot all of our wides. By the time we finished at 8, people were starting to fill in and we got a scene and we got to film at Trevi Fountain. So that's, I think, the, the thing is these things start and you just gotta go. And you know it's it's almost subconscious filmmaking, you know, because you're 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 managing the circus, and especially in the later movies, every day we would have a new cameo, and the night before. You know, oh, this, you know, this person's going to be in the movie, and you'd get these pages, and you know, it wouldn't just be you know a line for them. They'd write three or four or five pages, and then I'd have to rewrite them <laughs> either that night or the morning of. Then the sixth movie, I'm in uh, Romania, and they give me these pages for for this the sequence, and I'm like, none of this works for what it is, and I literally had to dictate to someone back in LA, this is what needs to be written. And then I get the pages and I give them to the people on set, our actors, and then I'm rewriting it on set too. So there, the movie taught me a lot about uh, kind of rewriting on the fly because you come out to set and go, I have, I need to have this and you go, okay, we don't have that. So what do we have? Well, we have a dump truck and we have one stunt person and we don't have, you know, 10. Okay, so we're gonna do this.
0: So, it, so
1: there's a lot of imagination about working with what you have in the moment, and I think that's again, what what the charm of Sharknado is.
0: Wow, Anthony, you got to come back to this show anytime in the future. The door is
1: always going to be open for you. Awesome. Thank you so much. And again, Sharknado10th.com. That's where you can find out what theaters are going to be playing the movie remastered uh, in theaters. It's going to be an amazing experience. Uh, do, do a Barbie NATO thing. Go see Barbie. Go see Sharknado. <laughs> have a, an amazing experience. And uh, let's, let's make it so we can have more of these uh, remasters in the future. Absolutely. Be brilliant today. Okay, sir. Thank you.